and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Big Eyes, directed by Tim Burton and released in 2014. The plot of Big Eyes goes something like this. It's the story of artist Margaret Keane, the husband who took credit for her unique paintings and her legal battle to get her copyright back. Right. So Big Eyes came out last year in the States. It took forever to get out here. Yeah, we're um, recording this in late March. Yeah, and it, it it's really disappointing because I saw so many movies over the last few months that were, you know, biopics of various men yeah. who were brilliant and didn't enjoy them very much. And I loved Big Eyes. Mm. I really, really enjoyed that movie. It's kind of like Tim Burton vi- via Wes Anderson tells a fairly straightforward story. You know, it's like the it Tim had- An- it's the Tim Tim Anderson, Tim Burton of um, Big Fish kind of stuff more than the Tim Burton of Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I think I said the Wes Anderson thing because there's some people in it who were Wes- more Wes Anderson stalwarts than Tim mm. Burton people. And uh, and there's also a kind of the music and stuff has a kind of like light quality to it. And also the colors are really um, Wes Anderson-esque. There's a really bright pink hotel that they get married at and things <laughs> like that. That made me think of the Grand Budapest Hotel, stuff like that. Mm, the Hawaii colours. Yeah, the Hawaii co- But the whole thing was very, very brightly coloured. It was an and interesting use of light and stuff too. I, I just, I really liked it. It was a really interesting story. It was well told. Um, it was well acted. Mm. I don't understand why this didn't get more attention than it got. Yeah, well, I, I think I do understand why it didn't get more attention than it got. But yeah, I didn't love it the way you did, I don't think. I just felt like it was another one of the biopics but I did love you know seeing this from a woman's perspective and also seeing the way that the very personal abusive relationship plays out at on a, a woman's ability to be in the public space as well I just thought the whole I mean the whole story is this wonderfully feminist story about this woman who's who loses credit for her work but is man- manages to fight her way back so I can't not love that about it but mm. it didn't you know hit me emotionally or anything oh okay I actually quite enjoyed it emotionally I, there were certain moments that I thought were really good on that front and I thought the performances were good and I thought the interplay between them and the way that it kind of escalated was really interesting and, mm. and the pacing of it was really interesting. I don't know. I just enjoyed it. I mean, I don't really like the paintings that it centers on. They're a bit creepy, yeah. They're creepy. They're super creepy, especially that, you know, at the beginning there's one – actually, I told you this when we were watching it <laughs> – there's one painting that's half finished mm. or a sketch that's half finished and the other side of it is not finished. No, with the black and eye. And she's just got this black, like, hole, black hole of an eye that hasn't got any detail on it. freaked me out. It was like a doll that wasn't finished or mm. something. They were quite, quite creepy. Yeah. Um, I looked at some of her art um, online and there's some stuff that's actually quite nice. <laughs> But mm. this movie mostly focused on the big eyes stuff. But then her her stuff in like the early sixties was really nice. Well, I mean, the, and the thing is, though, she was painting. Those paintings came out of a particular period in her life. Like she had to leave behind her first dickhead husband, and then she got a second dickhead husband in her way. Like there's a particular emotional stuff going on. That yeah, she's but she also painting said that she's always painted those eyes that way. Paintings, yeah. I mean, yeah. But they they did the ones they were they were particularly dark. Some of them were incredibly affecting. And I did really, I guess I liked them as art. I'm not sure. I'd probably be freaked out having some of them on my wall. Mm. But what I, are you talking I, I quite about? liked Terrence them. Terrence Stamp told us they're not art, they're kitsch. <laughs> Terrence Stamp was one of my favorite bits. Actually, it was, it was when Terrence Stamp came on as a critic on the TV and they did this thing where they really focused in close on his face and stuff and it was all in black and white. It was like, oh, now I'm watching a Tim Burton film. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was great. 
But um, there were certain yeah. things that I thought were Tim Burton-y, like certain shots and things like that. Mm. But I mean, this is more like, yeah, bi- uh, Big Fish or what the other one is um, Ed Wood. It reminded mm. me a little bit of Ed Wood. Ed Wood's all in black and white, obviously, but it's a kind of similar take on someone, uh, a biopic kind of take on someone who's a little bit odd, but society doesn't understand them, sort of an idea. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're very different people. And I thought Amy Adams did a good job as well. She won a Golden Globe for it, actually, which is another reason why I think it's really odd that it didn't get any attention, like yeah, even in the Oscars, in the, even stuff. for even in the Best Actress stuff. Yeah, because they were really good. Because she was great. Terrence Stamp was great. Christoph Waltz was perfect as yeah. playing that horrible creep. Like he does, he does creeps better than anyone. No, but it's not just that. He had to balance creep with charisma, mm, charismatic and charming. Because yeah. that's like she says in the trial. That's what he is. Yeah, yeah. And so he has to be able to like make us like him and then make mm. us hate him and all that sort of stuff. And he balances the character really well. And I also thought they, I thought they were really good together. Watching Christoph Waltz and Amy Adams act together were some of the best moments in the movie because they had this kind of like electricity, whether it was good or bad, they were always kind of sparking off each other. Mm. I thought that worked really well. Um, I also thought both kids who played Jane were really good. Yeah, she was going to be the next one I mentioned. They looked similar, so that was really good. Mm. I thought they were both really – and I liked how the story handled her both a little girl and then a teenage girl. The mother-daughter relationship was one of the – like it's sort of the backbone of the whole movie because that's that's sort of what spurs Margaret on mm. to do it. It gives her extra strength that she might not have had if it was just her. Yeah, and I th- I just I love the way that relationship played out. And yeah, you're right. It, it was almost a seamless transition from her being a little girl to her being a teenager. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting that Margaret finally left. I mean, there was a major incident that made her leave, but there's also she left after Jane came in on the secret. Mm. It was almost like Jane being out of the secret was part of the, her being locked in, and once she had mm. somebody else to share that with, she yeah. was finally a little bit more free. In in a bigger sense, it's a classic pattern of abuse. In that she was when she was isolated, and it was only the two of them who knew about it. What once somebody else sees it from the outside, she can see it from the outside, and she can understand that what's going on that she's being isolated. It's kind of a classic pattern. Yeah, um, I was also really interested in, in Kristen Ritter's character. Oh, yeah. She was so great. Yeah, um, she was fantastic. Uh, and I wish the, we'd seen more of her. I do too. But the character was really interesting because she was always right on the edge of finding out. And it's this that kind of like, you know, it, it is, it's all these different takes on an abusive relationship. Mm. And there's this bit where um, Danny Houston's character calls Walter King his old friend and things like mm. that. That's kind of that bro culture and Mm -hmm. like all of this it's a really interesting kind of way of doing things and the way the costumes change and the hair changes and all that Um, stuff. Danny Houston's character and Terrence Stamp's character there's actually in there a beautiful dichotomy of the two different ways the media is the establishment because you've got like you say Danny Houston's you know bro heavy drinking relationship kind of what am I thinking of like old boys network kind of thing and then there's the Terrence Stamp New York Times wealthy posh establishment yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that uh, it would have been really nice to get to see because the movie ends just as, as Margaret beats Walter, mm. basically, in court, comes out and then she's free, which is a good ending. It's a good place to end. Yep. But I would have re- really liked to see her kick Terrence Stamp's critic's butt. Yeah. Like that would have been really, I don't know, that was uh, really irritating to me that he was so rude and he never knew who he was being rude to and then you see him reacting to it. Mm. But there's still no – and then the Jason Schwartzman reaction where he's like, who would want credit? was hilarious. Yeah. Um, They're both still being snobs, being like high culture versus low culture kind of thing, like popular culture versus 
art, high art. It does make and me it's... wonder, though, if Terence Stamp would have seen it differently if he knew that it was her work. Mm. Because it's never believable that Walter did it. No, because they even there is even a line in there about him having an unhealthy obsession with small children. Mm. And it is the small children, the little girls, it's all very tied up with her identity as a woman and a mother mm-hmm. and with motherhood and childhood and all that kind of stuff. And just to the audience, we're just like, how could you possibly think that this guy has an interest in that subject matter? Yeah, and it, it is, um, I mean, obviously people think that because there's no reason for them not to. Mm. Like, they, no, I mean, Margaret is pressured into keeping the secret, so mm. like, no, she never gives anybody any reason not to believe yep. it. And so why would the general public question yeah, they, that this no. guy has gone, oh, I painted all these, there's no reason. But it, it is from the perspective of the people who are watching the movie, it's different. Mm. Um, there are a lot of things, ways in which the movie kind of keeps the audience in on things that I really like. I like the interplay between the story in the audience, like bringing the audience into confidence on a whole lot of different stuff. Yeah, There's a really interesting kind of personal relationship with the characters in this movie that yeah. I like. And it meant that you get to see all these things that you wouldn't normally get to see. There's this interesting moment when uh, when Margaret's talking to the dog and she kind of looks like a monster for a minute, like the way they shoot her and everything. Yeah. Because that's how she feels in that moment rather than because she is one. Yeah. But it's really interesting. Like, it, it's really well shot and really well put together and everything. I really liked this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say something else. I forgot what it was. It was beautifully beautifully shot like the um the 1950s and 60s time is obviously a bit of a boon for the filmmakers because they get to run loose with costumes and it's set in california so the light is always super bright and california and hawaii so you know so we move from california with it's almost like burned out from the sun it's so it's so bright into hawaii where everything's really lush and green and pink and all those really bright colors Mm. Yeah, there's a the, actually the first scene where they meet. Walter is in the shadow from the trees, mm. and like Margaret's completely bathed in light. Mm-hmm. It's re- I noticed really early on that it was already going for that sort of thing. He's and then, as often in a place of darkness, but that's the thing. As yeah. as the story goes on, she's more and more in the darkness. So she's mm. always trapped in these little rooms with dark curtains that are never drawn, even though she obviously needs light to paint, mm. so that they can like keep her in this darkness or like and hide it from the daughter little bits of light and things like that. Yeah, it's yeah. It, I I noticed that actually. I, it was an interesting way. The scene where they get engaged is really obvious one. There's this tiny little flicker of sunlight across both of their faces mm-hmm. as she just gets dragged into this. Um, and also, obviously, there's that Italian restaurant where they have their first date and their kind of their last date, where he's he's always associated with darkness, and whereas she's like a creature of sunshine and sunlight. Yeah, and it's um, it's a really, really good take on what abusive relationships are like for people who haven't been in them. I think like it's a it's a very clear sort of thing, but it's that kind of bringing the audience in with Margaret, where mm. you think that he's really charming as well. Yeah, like when he first shows up, he's really charming, mm. and they're all in the same clothes as well. You know how they were all in the same outfits when they were painting. Yep, yep, and things like that. He and Jane and Margaret were all in the same out. Well, there's versions yeah, of the same it's, outfit. It's again, it's it just shows how it, that's a pattern of abuse. He's you know feigning interest and mirroring and all that kind of that those kind of techniques that you can learn to make yourself charismatic. I think it was also that that was to show their togetherness, as mm-hmm. a, and as they grow more apart, they become ah, more fractured. Right, and, right, right. So they look more and more different. But yeah, and then you get to see some of it from Walter's perspective as well. Mm. So he's not just like a cartoon monster. Mm. He's a person who kind of makes mistakes and gets drawn into things and then mm. it 
goal goes to his head and then he becomes worse and worse and mm. you can see that happening in him as well like yes, you get yes. to see why that's happening and what's going on with him so that he's not just like a pretty white girl with bruises and the mm. man who's all big and scary and oh everybody else has to go away but that's not what walter and margaret are like and, and that's really not what real life is like he, exactly you know but it is i mean yeah. it is sometimes but that's well, the no, most but, common no yeah but like no woman ever gets into a relationship with someone who's big and terrifying at the beginning it's it's something that builds up over time and that's yeah, I mean, I think they, I, I think those kinds of uh, depictions are, of abuse are, are very simplified. Yes, um, and and it's codified for us to understand it. Yep. So if it's like a subplot in a TV show or something, that's the code for us to understand what's going on, right? But this movie takes the time to really play it out, so they can can do all that stuff, mm. and it does it in really interesting ways, and it makes the audience feel like they're in the same situation as yeah. Margaret is. It's a really good um, woman's story in that sense. Uh, yeah. In in the sense of it actually shows um, – because one of the stereotypes about domestic violence is, you know, why doesn't she leave? She's too smart to get into that relationship. And it's it's a really damaging stereotype because really smart, lovely women do get into domestic violence situations. It's mm. not their fault. It's, in fact, you know, a whole series of systems set up to yeah, and make it easy to run like that. And, and it's a really good – you are on her side and you are seeing it from a woman's perspective. And you get to see a, a range of different types of abuse as well. So mm. he's like, he's emotionally abusive, but he's also financially abusive. Yes. I think it's called financial abuse. When mm. he withholds the money from her, mm-hmm. he withholds the decision making from her. Um, and he, you know, there's certain times when he's like, oh, do you want to have to give the house back and things like that, where he's using mm. that against her, even though she's the one who's making them all the money. Exactly. Um, so it's really, and, and, you know, he's always telling her things, oh, you wouldn't be able to do what I do. You wouldn't be able to sell the paintings. Nobody takes women's art seriously. Yeah, yeah. All that sort of stuff. And especially at that time, it's especially and true. He you know? destroys her confidence to a point where she was, she had a confidence problem from the beginning. Like she was having trouble, you know, she was agreed to sell a sketch for half price and whatever when she's out in the park. But he destroys it to such a point as that when she does go to a show and show her own works, she just can't even cope with talking about it. She's so locked in and kept away from everybody that she doesn't know how to even talk to someone about her work sensibly anymore. She's just got to this horrible point. Yeah, he builds her up and then tears her down. Mm. Um, I also think that that even at the beginning there's a a sense that she's – she falls into fads of things that are going on Mm. and, you know, tries to find something to – you know, she's trying to find something to fill the hole in her life that she thinks is there. Mm. So she goes through a numerology phase mm-hmm. and, a and ge- then she goes um, through the Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness, Witness phase. Yeah. And that happens she's- to a lot of women who mm. are in that similar situation yeah. where they go through these phases of trying to find other things yeah. that, to fill this hole that they yeah. think and is it's in got, their lives. And it's got to do with sort of always being defined by relationships to other people. She even, she even talks about being a daughter, being a wife, being a mother, like – all that being having your role defined by somebody else, mm. even down to the bit where she talks to a priest when she's worried about her husband lying, and she's like, and the priest is like, oh well, you know, as Christians, we we believe that the husband is the head of the household, and you should you know trust him and his judgment and his leadership, and it sort of shows these all these ways that these roles and ideas are put onto women, and so when women branch out and try and they've got very limited choices, so they'll go down alleys like numerology and Jehovah's Witnesses like something that'll give them something to define themselves the by Jehovah's that's chosen well. from themselves. She uh, She's drawn to anybody who gives her the time of day basically. Yeah. Like those women were 
laughing at her jokes and, you know, being friendly towards her. Yep. And she was just like, okay, I'll join your group. Yeah, that's right. She that's a sort of charismatic. Um, it's the same personality. She, that she that, was but those girls don't. I mean, those women, I don't think, are even trying to. I mean, they are trying to be, get her to become a Jehovah's Witness, no, but, but all they're doing is just being nice. To yeah, her, like it. And she's just had so many years of nobody being nice to her. Yeah, but she, that any kind of spark of friendship will mean, except for poor Deanne, who who <sighs> she keeps having to lie to because she keeps getting too close. I just enjoy watching Kristen Ritter and things, especially when she gets to dress up in 60s clothes. Mm. And she looks she looks like one of the paintings as well. And mm. she looks so perfect with her hair all up and everything and the, yeah. those dresses. And I would have liked to see more of her too. I can't wait for Je- AKA Jessica Jones to yeah. come out. I can't wait. I love Kristen Ritter. <laughs> I know. Because both of us got to the court case and we're both like, well, why didn't she get called as a witness? Or why didn't they call the first wife as a witness? Yeah. Her, Jane, and the first wife would oh. have all been good witnesses, yeah. one would think. And the first <laughs> painter that he stole from. Off. The first painter that he stole from as well. Sorry, How yeah. When person... I said the first wife, I actually meant the first painter that he that's stole from. That's, and I that's... don't know that that's the same person. Yeah, yet. it's it's not. I Wikipedia him afterwards, and he his first wife was not the same person. Right. Yeah, but this there. for the first painter that he stole the work from. That's who I meant when I said first wife. But first right. Wife but even the first have... wife would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a whole lot of people. Well, there's a whole thing where they've been married for a few years, and all of a sudden his daughter shows up. Oh, yeah, that it was a great never, scene. Oh, it was really, really well done. It was really well shot too, actually, that yeah. scene. And and there was another shot that I really loved when she comes into the club and there's this really, really subtle way of showing that she's going into da- – like the, there's this red light as she comes in mm. so you know she's going into a dangerous situation. You know something bad's going to happen and you don't know exactly yeah. what it is. But there's And then the camera kind of flips as it turns around to watch her walk away. It was so good. it was so pretty mm. and well shot, and it really showed Tim Burton's mastery of filmmaking. Yeah, because I mean, people have been accusing Tim Burton of being too kitschy, I guess. Well, yeah, because people think it, that all he can do is those sort of Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, goth, high, like high camp stuff, right? And he's, which this is, is not this at all. I mean, clearly that's what he's drawn to, right? Like mm. that's clearly his his ideal aesthetic and stuff. But that doesn't mean he can't appreciate other aesthetics, obviously, as is shown in this movie. There's a real kind of, apart from the part where they get the big eyes, she sees people around with the big eyes, which when I saw it in the trailer, I didn't like so much, but it's actually used very effectively in the movie and very sparsely in the movie. It only happens a few times. Yeah, and it's always at crisis points for Margaret where she's really under a lot of pressure. Yeah, and it is just a reflection of like their... It's kind of like an accusatory thing. Yeah, and it comes from – it starts out with sort of strangers and then it moves up to the daughter and then it moves to her as she looks in the mirror. So it kind of makes sense in the in terms of her journey of realisation that she must act and get away from this man. Mm. There's also a really interesting commentary on capitalism mm. in the movie, in, in the way that Walter operates mm. and the way that he has to operate in order to get people to pay attention is that he starts out, you know, one way and then he – He's like, oh, can we rent out the space? And he just pimps out the f- paintings to everybody constantly that he can find. Mm-hmm. And then once he, you know, discovers that they're giving posters away for free, he starts charging for those and he starts charging more for those. And that makes him better kind of, posters but and charging changes, more for them. Yeah. That changed the landscape of art as well. So, yeah. like, I mean, him as a capitalist operator is quite interesting to watch mm. and had just how they made so much, he made so much money off it. Did you know the settlement was only for four million dollars? Uh, wow! In she only got four million dollars five out of it. dollars, but yeah. I know, but I think they're worth more than that. Undoubtedly, yeah. And ho- I, hopefully, sure she has more, more money now from them. Like, hopefully, she's been able to, you know, make money off of them after. 
because she got after the settlement, they yeah. were all hers to do as she. I mean, to. I know the, the there's a difference in money, but I still think that these were like hugely famous. Like everybody had one. So I I imagine they had more than four million dollars even then. Yeah, perhaps I I don't know anything about it, but well, it's an interesting look though that capitalism thing about the, also the time period, the sort of high art pop culture sort of time period mm. where high and low culture start to merge, where things that are popular may also be high art, and where we move into a space of postmodernism. Yeah, which is where he is. Do you know what bit I really didn't like? Yeah. When he gets the call ab- about Margaret is it suing him or divorcing him or the, no, or about the paper, the article when she tells everybody that she painted them. Yeah. He's the party that he's having. It's the first time they kind of use women as props. Oh, yeah, yeah. They make it as though like, he's still in the house but he, and he's got like he's having a real Hollywood style party where there's just women in bikinis and. Yeah. I didn't like that because right up until that point in the movie, all the women were people. Mm. Where, uh, except for you know, there's a couple of moments when there's women around famous men, mm. but it's not quite as much women as props as that moment. I think there yeah. is one where um, the bit where the, the club owner punches a woman in the face by accident when yeah. he's trying to punch Walter. But I think that was more to show that that guy was. Yeah, and, and well, it is kind of women as props, but not quite as yeah, much as that. Yeah, and then bit there's the also end. the bit with the Olivetti typewriter guy the, who's got these two because he can't, you know, speak English or anything. But so he's got these sort of handmaidens at his side. Even and when th- they're serving a, yeah, they, they have, have a job. job. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's in, in context. I mean, like yes, women as props is not good, but in the context of it being Walter who has arranged this and Walter who we see has not a great deal of respect for women. I, it kind of makes sense in terms of like this progression of his character, this sort of becoming more and more depraved. I guess so. I think the thing about those first two scenes is that in both of them, the women are kind of like, the, in the first one, it's like, oh, he's a bad person because he's treating the women badly, right? Yeah. Yep. And the second one, it's those women have a job to do and he's hired particularly beautiful women yeah, to do like, it. Well, it's, it's, it's sort of, he's sort of the epoch of capitalism and and that one of the perks of being such a wealthy man is that he can hire these incredibly attractive yeah, women I just to do an ordinary job. I didn't job. like the third one because there wasn't actually any kind of – he could have been telling that story to another dude like he did ten times before in that movie and mm. it wouldn't have made a difference. So yeah. they really were just there to, like, be pretty mm. and to show what – well, to what kind of thing. And I didn't like that as much. It kind of irritated me more than the women in the first two scenes who actually served a – Yep. a greater plot purpose in terms of telling, informing us about these characters. Okay. Because we already know what Walter's like. Yeah. We didn't need that extra bit. Yeah. I uh, Yeah. I, I just sort of took it as a he just descended. But, yeah, no, I mean, I can understand that. Just kind of it kind of icked me out a little bit. Yeah, That's fair all. enough. Especially in the background, like in the, the women in the background in the who are like jumping into the pool and stuff. Yeah. It was just ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> over the top and I didn't like it that much. But especially because I noticed in the crowd scenes they had like women of colour in crowd scenes and mm. and more equal numbers and things. And oh, I right. think that seemed to be like a – a focus on doing that. Even in the, I mean, when uh, in Hawaii, they made a lot of effort to put in like Hawaiian lots of Hawaiian people, people yep. you know, and, and really make it look like mm. a diverse group of people. The jury yeah. was an a- this was an accurate representation of the place. Yeah. yeah. So I think because they put so much effort into all the other stuff, mm, mm. that kind of stood out to me more. Yeah, no, I think It's that's only a reasonable. very minor quibble. Yes. <laughs> I think also it kind of fell flat like it was a bit boring in some places yeah i think that's what it was for me i it's a bit like a lot of the other 
Oscar-y biopics I've seen. It's it was good and it was done well and it was performed beautifully and shot beautifully, but it was also just a bit kind of episodic, and I didn't quite. It was very subtle and it kind of so so you because it was based on real life. I suppose the stakes never quite get as high as they would in a fictional movie. I don't know. I just didn't ever – I never worried See, that she I wasn't did. going to get there away. There were a few times. Like when she – I never worried for, she wasn't going to get away, but there were times when I, it was really emotionally heightened. Like the, the bit that did get me, though, is the bit where she discovers the Senec at work. Yeah, that really got me. That bit, um, the fire bit was obviously – Oh, yeah, that was quite horrifying too. The actually, the bit that got me emotionally was the courtroom bit. Oh, okay. The courtroom, I think – I think it was. I think it got to me most because there was this intersection of humor and like the kind of mental trauma that she was going through. Yes. And so when she painted, I felt this kind of like rush of triumph that you're that I didn't get from some of the other movies well, quite as much. There's this genuine fear because at the same time as you're laughing at him being an idiot defending himself, you know people are going to believe. And him. yeah, and and you see in her face, she's like, no, no, you can't laugh at this clown. He is dangerous and the other thing is people in the cinema were laughing as well yeah. so i think that kind of heightened it as well like made it more real that mm. like it is it's so real that this guy like this that's the public face of him yeah well you're so relieved when the judge do- stops won't take his bullshit like you're that so judge was so great you're so relieved because the judge isn't standing for it so you're just like oh i really liked him he mm. was great but yeah that it, it is, there is that, but there's also the kind of sense – there is a kind of genuine sense of dread. Mm-hmm. Like that could be just the first trial and then she could try it again it or was, something like it, that. You know, you don't know yeah. that that's definitely going to really pay off. You really feel her trauma. I did at least. I was quite traumatized by those the scenes where he got really scary. Right. And that's the thing is that you really feel her trauma. But I think the reason that I liked the courtroom scene so much – was the dichotomy of that. And also because they're so good together. Mm-hmm. It really kind of elevated those scenes for me. Mm. I really enjoyed those scenes. Yeah. Um, I felt like the movie ended on a really high note because yeah. especially the waiting for him to paint something was oh. done really well. I loved that. Yeah. And then like 40 minutes in, he goes, oh, my arm, my shoulder. Oh, my God. Like, but it was so good. I really uh, liked the way that that was put together and done mm-hmm. and the kind of build-up of tension. And she's just so confident. And you get to see, like, it all kind of – him just kind of deflate and become small mm-hmm. and her kind of get bigger. And, and just seeing – her being able to paint in public like that, you, you see her just – there is nothing that is stopping her from concentrating on that work. He is fart-assing about. He's behaving like a dick. There are people in the courtroom looking and she sits and she's calm and she is working because this is who she is and what she's meant to do. Yeah. It's a beautiful moment. I loved that. I think that was the most emotional scene in the mm. movie for me. I mean, the scene where well, he I just was kept burning worrying. the house was scary, but like at the same time, I knew, I know, I knew that she had to get out because I know kind of the vague story. Okay. I'd heard that. But I, I, I'd never I heard didn't. the story. I just knew that she. I didn't, but sued I him she for... must because we know. But yeah. yeah, I was actually quite. I was worried through that drawing scene though because I was like, well, maybe, maybe they are going to fall for it. I mean, I just there was part of me that's like they could still fall for it. Yeah, and, but the, I think that's the thing is that I like that it was a slow. It wasn't like one great moment of triumph. It was a slow build of triumph, mm. and then at the end he bows out and she walks out and she's got the painting yeah. and, and they announce that she's won and it's so. I liked that. I thought it was a really cleverly paced thing as well because mm. it takes its time to tell that story. And- yeah, because you, you kind of – it doesn't happen in real time, obviously, but it happens with enough time for you to feel the passage yeah. of the time. 
Yeah, that's what, and that's why I think it's just so good at showing what Tim Burton is actually capable. Yeah, he's of. really he really knows what he's doing, what he's yeah. working with. Even if he sometimes makes vanity projects like Dark Shadows, this is the kind of thing he can do when he wants to. Yeah, I I would actually be interested in the story of how he came to this story and what led him to throw his name behind it and get involved. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I have a feeling he would have just liked the paintings. Yeah, they you're do right. look like they Tim are Burton-y very Burton-y. Yeah, you're probably right. And Plus, given that, that you say concept. that they were really famous, it's possible that he knew them long, be- yeah, long yeah. before that. And the concept of people not considering them real art when and considering them to be kitsch because of mm. the way they look and everything, and people thinking the same thing about yeah, Tim Burton. Same reason work. he's attracted to Ed Wood. And yeah, exactly. Ed Wood's work. Yeah, like it, I, I think, and the, yeah, the idea of kitsch and pop culture versus high culture and pop culture as high culture. I also liked. I don't know. I liked a lot of things. I like the way it showed San Francisco. Mm, yeah. It was just, and I liked the kind of, that it, I enjoyed that it kept the tone kind of light. Mm. I like the tonal balance in it because it doesn't feel like you're being overwhelmed by this story, mm. which is nice well, for me. That kind of comes back again to that thing about it being a, a real story of a real abusive relationship. And it's not like this big, gloomy, you know, pretty thin white woman with bruises thing. It's, there's a whole world. And things are sometimes good and sometimes bad. In fact, that's how the balance works. Yeah, exactly. And there are good reasons to be around an abuser and bad reasons. Like, that, it was very genuine and real. Yeah. In that sense. And her life isn't all it's doom not, and gloom. No. It just becomes really oppressive over time. Yeah. Until she can finally break free of it. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know. I liked it a lot. Hmm. Obviously. I, I thought it was really good too. I'm going to give it like a really good score. I just... I also didn't quite, like, it didn't sort of hit me in the guts in that same way, I don't think, but I still really enjoyed it. Okay. I think it, I think it emotionally affected me. I think Imitation Game probably affected me just as much in, like, a couple of bits. Mm. That bit at the end when they're writing about all the horrible things that happened and Mm -hmm. stuff was as emotionally affecting. And Imitation Game does a similar thing of keeping it fairly light. Yeah. Without it being really oppressive. Because I don't like oppressively depressing movies. I don't enjoy them. No. Because I don't feel like you want to go to the movies for that. I feel like yeah. you want to go to the movies for something that's more. Yeah, yeah. You know. I, no, I definitely feel in a, a similar way about this and Imitation Game and um, also Theory of Everything, which obviously I liked a lot more than you. I, I feel that kind of they, – they do strike quite a, a good balance there in terms yeah. of lightness and darkness. Yeah, I was just so bored in Theory of Everything. <laughs> I know <laughs> you were. <laughs> Even with Eddie Redmayne acting oh. butt off on the screen, I was just so bored in that movie. Mm. Whereas I didn't, I didn't really get that bored. I feel like I got bored at one point, but then it kind of reeled me back in really fast. Mm. I got bored enough that I, at one point, was like, what is going on with her hair in this part? I yeah. really didn't like the last hairstyle. I mean, it's probably accurate. The hair was like it. <laughs> the hair was a bit awkward for me because I kept thinking it was Naomi Watts. I was like, oh, wait, no, 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 it's Amy Adams. I don't think Amy Adams looks anything like Naomi I know Watts. they don't, but like, I don't know how I had this. Also, Amy Adams is naturally blonde, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it just looked weird. It does look weird, right? It was like really platinum-y blonde as well. Yeah. Mm. It does look weird. And I was she doesn't look like she should be a blonde. <laughs> yeah. I know. Even though she it's is some, one. It's like the Lucy Lawless thing. Is she blonde? Yeah. And Tom she, Hiddleston is too. Yeah, neither of them look like they should be. <laughs> no. And there's one other person who dyes her hair red all the time and is naturally blonde. Gillian Anderson? No. Although she looks great as a blonde. I'm trying to think. I think that's all I have to say about this movie is that I liked it. There were some moments that I really, really wanted them to make out. Uh, wanted um, Amy mm. Adams and Kristen Ritter to make out. <laughs> oh, dear. Have we recorded enough to stop now? Yes, we have. Okay, good. No, but there were these moments where I was like, you know what you should do? You should hook up with her. She's pretty. Oh, uh, yeah. There's like, 
you just sort of think, dear Lord woman, stay away from relationships with men. Like, yeah. The, the, you she got married again after I know, and so apparently it happily, put her off that much. But uh, there were just these moments when, because those two had, I thought they were cute together. <laughs> and Deanne really liked her. <laughs> and also, I think I had Chloe from Don't Trust the Bee in the back of my mind. And Chloe's always trying to get her house made into a threesome and stuff like <laughs> okay. that. So I really must watch that show. <laughs> you should. It's so great. She's so good in it. She just kills it. Anyway, uh, we definitely have enough so we can wrap up now. All right. Do you want to wrap up or should I? I will do the wrap up, but what are you giving it first? All right. Four and a half stars. I am giving it four stars. Excellent. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read the show notes or find our old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Big Eyes or of all of the other movies that she watches, they're on her blog, Silver Screen Queen. That's one queen. WordPress.com. Uh, you can also find us all over social media. We're on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. We are on Twitter at screen underscore queens and on Facebook, facebook.com slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. See you next time.